Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting EXIT PLAN with no spaces to 44222. That's EXIT PLAN to 44222. Again, text EXIT PLAN to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Hi, welcome. Thanks for joining us. You know, when guest comes on and they speak clearly about their expertise, uh, a lot of times we don't get a chance to learn everything we can in, in these brief 20-minute interviews. And so it's important that they come back. And today, uh, my guest that's coming back to visit with us is Vince Mastrovito from Prometheus Partners, Inc. in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And Vince is a, a wealth of knowledge about a wide variety of topics Today we're going to talk about how they help businesses with their coaching and exit planning, but also today we're going to focus on intellectual capital and what is intellectual capital. So if I were you, I'd grab a pen and a pad of paper and let's let's get started, Vince. How are you today? I'm good, Bill. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me on. Good, good, good. It's it's great to hear your voice again. I'm glad you came back on to help us uh, dig deeper into some of these topics. Uh, and if you would, for our listeners that might not have heard your other interview, could you just give us a quick background on you and Prometheus Partners and what all you do? Well, Prometheus Partners is actually a spinoff from a wealth management firm I've had for over uh, 20, 25 years. We were doing some financial planning and, and business uh, planning with clients. And, and then I just decided I wanted to focus 100% of my time in this area. Uh, so I sold off that wealth management piece of the business uh, a few years ago, and uh, focusing 100% of my time on uh, business exiting and value acceleration. So we've been doing quite well and staying very busy in the educational world of uh, exit planning, and it's it's working out well for our clients and people who like to come to our workshops. You know what's great about that field is it's not going away anytime soon. <laughs> 10,000 baby boomers turn 65 every day, and they're right in the middle of the baby boomer generation, which uh, the, to my calculations, is people born between 1946 and 1964. So it's squarely in the middle as age 65 now. So there are a lot of years of people getting to an age where they say, all right, I can't do this forever. I know how I got into this business. I just don't know how I'm going to get out of it, and I need some help. And that's where you come in, right? That is correct, yes. And yep. the beauty of this is, is 10 years ago, this wasn't a big issue, but it's becoming a louder and louder drumbeat for a lot of people and I think part of that is uh, a lot of people put off their exit planning uh, after the financial crisis that happened a few years back, and now their businesses are back, and they're saying, okay, now I think I can sell or transfer this thing, and it'll sustain for quite a while. So let's talk about uh, the topic of the day. What is intellectual capital? Where do we want to go with this, Vince? I, I know that I have some questions I want to ask you, but tell, why don't you set the stage for our topic of the day? 
Sure. So when a lot of business owners are looking to transition or exit out of their business, uh, the first and most obvious place that every business owner should go and, and will go is their financials. And I think in our previous conversation, I mentioned a little bit about um, the attraction for the potential buyer, and that buyer could be an internal buyer or an external buyer, uh, that they want to see how attractive are the P&L and balance statements and how sustainable is the industry and the growth of the business. And so once you get past that attractive piece of it, about the rest of it is that the buyer uh, of the new owner is going to ask a question similar to, well, tell me more about your business. Tell me about your people. Tell me about your processes. Uh, tell me about your customers. Tell me about your social activities. And we call that uh, intellectual capital or, hum you know, you've got human capital, social capital, customer capital, and so on. And that usually is going to bring back about 80% of the multiple tied to the EBITDA when you get ready to sell your business. And so a lot of business owners that we have seen have started to make some increases uh, incrementally on their financial statements, how they take income out of their business, um, how they're actually using their business, not so much as a cash register, and functioning it more like a business. And so as they continue to work on that, the next step to, to really make your business an attractive business to a potential buyer, then you have to work on your intellectual capital and understand what kind of people do you have in there, what kind of written processes and procedures do you have, what kind of customers do you have, what kind of customer contracts do you have, and what kind of social and economical benefit do you have back in the community and so on and so forth. And when you take a look at those factors, it really does help when you're um, negotiating with somebody like what value you really can bring back to the table and how much value and sustainability that can bring back to the business over a period of time. Well put. A lot of these things, as you say, they don't show up in black and white on the balance sheet. But they're so important, I, I can't tell you how many times that I've run into, and I'm sure you run into people that say, well, there's, I don't have much. I'm like, well, wait a minute, you've got a 20-year reputation in the marketplace where you've, you've uh, met and exceeded people's promises. That's not nothing. No, it's not. And I think uh, I, I, think I talk uh, to business owners a lot, Bill, about goodwill and what your processes and procedures, and it really – it's really amazing to me that they don't put enough emphasis on exactly um, what that is and what that can mean to an owner. And a lot of times I just, I can, I try to explain it to them in its simplest format and say, look, if I'm, if I'm coming in here looking to buy your business and I see that financially you're doing well and everything else is fine, but I see that you have a high turnover ratio uh, or I see that your customers are really not consistent over a period of time uh, or there's really no procedures, like if you left, nobody really knows what to do. There's no written manual or something online that they can go to and see. Uh, then I have to build that out. That's going to cost me money. It's going to cost me time. i got to potentially retrain the people that I have. And I think when you start to do that beforehand uh, and you really understand what your business model is, I think it makes the stress levels for business owners really drop down considerably because they have those procedures in place and that the employees 
in, in most cases will be taking more of an ownership mentality and it will be more of an environment that can grow and prosper over a period of time. I love this topic. You know, it's something I talk a lot with business owners about that the importance of an mm-hmm. employee is not nearly as valuable as a, an employee who's dialed in, locked in, and, and focused on acting like an owner. Um, let's talk about the four C's. I know that's a, that's a, a cornerstone of your planning. What are the four C's, Vince? Well, you've got human capital, uh, which are your people. You've got your customer capital. You've got your social capital. And then you've got your, um, you've got your financial capital. So you want to make sure that you're looking at all four of those perspectives over a period of time and you're making sure that all of those are dialed in and you're really taking a look at, you know, how they are functioning and how you can make them better. And I'll give you an example is we were having a meeting yesterday with a business owner that we were actually implementing a contingency plan for, and the attorney was there along with the chief operating officer. Uh, And uh, I mentioned along with the chief operating officer. So I mentioned to the attorney, I said, well, shouldn't we take a look at having employment contracts for all of the upper management people? I would understand in a tile and trazo business that you really may not need to have um, employment contracts for, for everybody, but certainly for the people in management and upper management, it would probably be a nice thing to have and throw in a non-compete and what their job descriptions are and any of their bonus programs and what that's tied to from a metric standpoint. Uh, and they thought that that was a, a really good idea. Uh, and the business owner thought that was a great idea just because even though it doesn't guarantee that an employee is going to leave, at least it tells them that you're serious about having them as an employee and that you want to move this forward. And so I thought it was just a really great dialogue for them to have and, and to put in place. I'm going to uh, interject just a second. I had a I had a friend of mine that died suddenly, unfortunately, as a business owner, and with no employment contract that included non-disparagement kind of clauses, uh, with anything tied to that. That key employee was disappointed that uh, that we wanted to sell the business for so much to him, which was in our it was two thirds of the value. It was a pretty good deal. But he went out and started disparaging the company in the trade associations, and it really could have uh, been horribly detrimental to the value or the ability to sell that business. And so we, I learned from that lesson that the the most important part of the employment contract is non-disparagement, maybe with some kind of a financial penalty for uh, trying to ruin the company at a horrible time like that. Yeah, I would agree 100%. And the, the attorneys did bring up a point. He says, you know, you have to be willing to to enforce these um, guidelines and these agreements, um, correct? Uh, and, and I said, yeah. I said, I understand that that potentially could take some uh, money if you're getting into litigation. But I also think it's, it's if, if, if you have a high-quality employee uh, that is taking an ownership mentality and you offer them an employment agreement and you tell them why you're doing it and all the benefits to to them and to the company, um, first of all, they're not going to have a problem signing it. And secondly, I think the the communication between the parties is going to now be at a much higher level than where it was before. Um, and so I, th- I think the, uh, the, 
the, the overall consensus of it was it was a good thing to do. He's going to start drafting them up for the eight or ten top uh, management people that this business particularly has. And then we're going to find a time to have a, a conversation with all of them and explain the reasoning and rationale for it and the benefits to everybody for it. And I think for the most part, we won't have, uh, it should be fairly seamless. Well, the moral of the story is, you know, some, some kind of a planning about that contingency plan goes a long way in the event something bad happens. But if you don't have any, any kind of language, it gets really difficult to enforce um, enforce, enforcing zero doesn't work. Um, so let's talk about these uh, the four C's a little bit more with regards to the social capital. What do you mean by social capital, and how can people enhance their value of their company through social capital? Yeah, so that's going to take a pretty wide basis as to what they're talking about. So you know, what kind of first of all, what kind of social media are you doing? What kind of websites, designs do you have? Um, how easy is it to navigate around your, your website, right? Um, can they get information and good information from your website? Uh, do you do any social media, Facebook and or LinkedIn? And then, of course, all of the other ones. But those are going to be the three primary areas that a fair amount of people are going to go to initially. And then what kind of social uh, environment do you really have in the overall community? So what kind of an impact do you have at the community? What kind of an involvement do you have there? What kind of activities are you sponsoring? Do you do any little league stuff? Are you doing any um, any type of um, foundation? Are you doing some work for scholarships for kids to help go to school? Even if it's you know a thousand dollars that you're contributing back to some type of a fund, those are the types of things that people like to look at because those usually will attract more people for the. Um, for employment because they want to work for a very, very high-quality company. Those are great warm fuzzies for the local community. How about, um, how about a presence in your trade or association that you belong to, your industry associations, maybe leadership roles, or uh, those types of images that you portray? How important are those? Well, I think that those are those are uh, also additional. Those are fantastic. That every business owner should be taking a look at their trade association, and what are you bringing back to that trade association as far as additional education, safety, helping others to become better, helping them have a more positive impact on their business. Um, and I think that if you do that, the, the rewards may not come back to you directly from the association, but it does filter down as to how people look at you and view you. And I think overall, it really does help the business grow and sustain itself over a period of time. Yeah, and I think that if people are considering that their buyer ultimately might come from a larger company in their, um, in their industry, they certainly want to portray a high-quality image in their area of specialty so that they might get uh, a, a good look from a large player in their industry someday by doing good works that are, that are visible uh, in their industry. So that's all great stuff. Uh, what else can you tell us about um, these? Uh, you know, some people will say, well, yeah, I get all this stuff, but it's for, I'm a small business. Are these things just for large businesses, Vince? Yeah, that, that is a that is a great question, and, and I get that a lot. We've actually uh, started running a, a series of five workshops uh, uh, for business owners, and that question does come up with many topics, and that's one especially that comes up with what we do discuss with them. In that, well, gee, that does sound great, Vince. It's only for large businesses. I'm a I'm a smaller business. 
And, and what we have found is that you can scale uh, these same uh, key components in any size of a business, uh, and you can make it much more functional. So if you had a, a retail shop that was producing five or $600,000 a year of revenue, and you had the processes and procedures for people to come in, because usually there's a fair amount of turnover in there, uh, if you had uh, written processes and procedures for someone to come in there and be trained and understand what they need to do when they unlock the door and, and turn on the lights, it makes everything run a lot smoother uh, for the business and it allows the business owner to continue to work on the business. And it also makes the employees feel much more comfortable which in return would make the customers feel more comfortable when they walk in the door to purchase whatever that store is if it was a retail environment. So you can scale these environments to any level, any size revenue business. That's for sure. That, that's great to know. And you know, one, one other thing on these four C's that I've seen a huge uptick in the number of businesses that ask one particular customer service-oriented question. You know, if, if uh, would you refer us or would you recommend us on a scale of 1 to 10, how likely would you recommend us to a uh, another person or a family member or whatever? It's the net promoter score, and it seems like everybody's yep, yep. asking it. They've narrowed it down. It's, it's a good thing because it used to be a, a five-page survey. Now it's down to one question. But has that become the normalized way to demonstrate customer service and your customer satisfaction these days? Yeah, I do. I think it's one of the largest ways because, one, you have to make things um, easily accessible. They don't want to spend a lot of time, and they don't want to have to write, uh, you know, three paragraphs as to why they enjoyed the experience. They just want to they want to give you a, a score of, you know, a 1 to 10 uh, in, in that particular area, which is why the net promoter score is, is so positive, and we do use it with, with clients. And I think when it comes to not only – illustrating that to um, a buyer, if they came in and said, well, tell me about your customers, if you could show them a survey that you've done from the net promoter score, and these are the results over a two, three, four, or five-year period of time, that shows consistency of what your procedures and processes actually do. Um, I think the, the next level of that is to take the, the net promoter score and actually have your employees answer the, the questionnaire in a different format as to, on a scale of 1 to 10, how do you enjoy working here? Would you recommend one of your friends or family members to also work here? So there are questions that you can ask your employees that would also gauge the uh, likeliness that they might refer someone in to work for you that would have high integrity and be able to replace someone that left for whatever reason. That's great stuff. And all the big companies know their net promoter score. There's no reason why every company shouldn't attempt to know their net promoter score. And it's it's refreshing and surprising sometimes in a small company when they say, I know my net promoter score because it hasn't trickled down to small businesses yet. But uh, I have one more one more thought for you, Vince, and that is, you know, we talk about success stories a lot, but sometimes things don't work out the way they should. And I think you have a story mm -hmm. about that that might be, uh, might be helpful for our listeners to hear. Yeah, it, it's just, you know, when you don't plan for your future as a business owner, you find that when you really want to sell your business, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't turn out for you the way that you want it, and, and maybe you don't get the money. And I, I, I had a, a family business that had um, the father – 
gifted stock to um, four kids. Uh, three of them were not owners uh, ready at all uh, and probably never would be owner ready. But then they owned stock and this business was very successful. Um, it was doing about six or seven million dollars a year of revenue. Um, and when, when the dad passed away, you had four owners and the, the, the three of the four children that should not have been an owner almost ran the business right into the ground. Um, and when we came in to do some advising, we were able to actually get it turned around and actually get it to where they sold their stock to the, to the brother who now owns the business. They're now working at the business, uh, but they're no longer shareholders. And the business has turned itself around. And now last year they did about $10.5 million worth of revenue. So you, you really have to be careful when you're, when you're doing planning and you have to be very strategic and understanding that uh, not everybody can be a business owner. And what is the meaning of someone actually owning stock in a privately held business and what impact could they have both positively and negatively on that? I'm happy to hear that that turned around, and it's it's sad to think that so many businesses and business owners are going to be remembered for their lack of planning rather than their planning. Uh, th- those are those are the types of situations that, you know, with a little bit of effort and uh, time, um, years in advance, um, it, that those situations could have been avoided easily with uh, with some uh, attention to the matter. So, Vince, that's what you do. That's why our, our listeners should get in touch with you and talk about their business with you uh, and tell our listeners the best way to do that. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. But I, I want to say one thing real quick, though, before I do that, though, is I really want to thank you and, and all your listeners on the radio show for, for dialing in and, or listening to, to what you have. I think the service that you do provide for the community of business owners is just priceless as to what they what they have available to them. But uh they can they can get a hold of us uh, through our website at uh, Prometis Partners. That's P R O M E T I S Partners dot com. We have uh, just a huge amount of educational information on that website that they can tap into and help educate themselves. Uh, uh, they can call our office at six one six six two two three zero seven zero. And then also, if they would like to email me, they could just email me at Vincent at PrometisPartners.com. Well, Vince, I thoroughly enjoyed our first interview, even more so our second interview. It's always great to get to know guests a little bit better, and I, I certainly welcome you to come back on anytime and uh, and further talk about these issues because the more more owners can hear from experts like you on these things, the better off they'll be, and uh, I certainly look forward to the next time we speak. Thank you so much, Bill. Really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio.